It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. We are a company that counsels and educates people to better health with nutrition. I'm Cara Carper, a licensed nutritionist and nutrition educator. And today, I'd like you to ask yourself this question. Have you been to the gym for the entire month of January and still have not lost weight? So if this sounds like you, we have some answers for you today. And joining me in the studio is Cassie Wienis. She's a licensed dietitian, nutrition educator, and presenter. And Cassie does a wonder she does wonderful presentations to the community and to corporations that are looking to improve the health of their employees. So welcome today, Cassie. Thank you, Cara. It's great to be in studio with you. It's been a long time. It has. I haven't seen you in ages. I know. My husband is even like, who's Cara? When I said <laughs> oh, I was that's not a good sign. Yeah, I've you, been gone for too long. You've been gone, but for good reason. Beautiful pictures of your baby yes, that I got to you. see before <laughs> the radio show started. Precious little girl. Um, and on that note, as long as we're talking about kids, I always have to say hi to my two kids back home. So hello, Riley. I know they're listening. Riley, my six-year-old, and Rissy, my four-year-old. And yeah, I've been out and about. I um, We actually had a little deal, Cara and I. We didn't know who was bringing the headphones because I haven't been in the office all week. I've been teaching been corporate busy. things. Yeah, and um, the corporate piece of the puzzle with our, our company is really growing, so it's fun. More and more corporations are wanting to focus on that health piece and Fortunately, they're bringing us in many times to do some lunch and learn presentations. But I actually want to give a shout out to a community ed group that I spoke to on Thursday night out in Buffalo, not far from my hometown. So if anybody's listening that was at class Thursday night, hello. It was a great class. And you know what? It was jumpstart your metabolism. So it's all in my head right now. Jumpstart well, metabolism. That's what today's show is all yeah, about. We're going we're gonna to have some good solutions. Well, Cassie, you know, after diligently working out for the entire month, I think it can be really frustrating for people to not have the weight coming off. And this is just a great time to have this topic because a lot of people take the new year as an opportunity to either join a gym, start using the gym they already belong to, or committing to another type of exercise program. Right. And and we hear it, don't we, Cara, that people are diligently trying. I mean, they come into the office or you're teaching nutrition for weight loss classes. You hear it. They're making an effort and and the scale isn't showing it. And I think part of it is that there is still a huge misconception out there that weight loss means eat a little less and move a little more. And yes, for some people that's going to work, but for a lot of people that doesn't work. Well, and it's that's the old calorie in, calorie out theory, and it is inaccurate for, you know, like you said, there will be some people where that works for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but metabolism is very complex. It's more complex than just calories in, calories burned. Exactly. And, you know, so if you're still buying into that old misconception that if I eat a little less and move a little more, 
it might not be working for you. And, you know, the statistics tell us that 67% of the American population is either overweight or obese. I think it's, yeah, two-thirds are overweight, a third is obese. Um, So we're going to tell you why going to the gym is not the only answer for weight loss. In fact, there was an analysis that took 33 different clinical trials in 2008, and the researchers determined that diet, what we're eating, is what controls approximately 75% of weight loss. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? Think about that. So 75% of what that number on the scale is saying to you is related to the foods that you're choosing to put in your mouth. Now, we're not at all saying don't exercise. Cara and I both enjoy exercise, um, you know, for so many different reasons. It's such an important piece of your health and well-being, and it can help with weight. I mean, it can help build a healthy metabolism. It develops that muscle mass, which you need for long-term weight management. But again, 75% of -hmm. weight loss is what you're putting in your mouth day in and day out. And so, you know, an exercise, you know, I was thinking about this last night. Um, I think every nutritionist in our office is an avid exerciser. Mm-hmm. So there's so many benefits. You know, there's increased energy, better moods, better sleep. Yes. It's good for stress management. Yes. yes. You know, and it reduces the risk of a lot of diseases. It reduces the risk of getting diabetes if you're exercising regularly. It reduces your risk of high blood pressure of high cholesterol. We know exercise can bring down high triglyceride levels, so lots of benefits. So our recommendation to anyone who has made a New Year's resolution to add in exercise, and also to those folks who have always exercised, you know, we say, for sure, keep it up. We want to get that point across. Absolutely. Um, But to have true success with weight loss, you really need to pay careful attention to what you're eating. Right. And so maybe we should go over some common mistakes that people make that can sabotage a weight loss plan. And I think the first one is simply not realizing how much exercise it can actually take you to burn off some of the common American snack foods. Now, that being said, we know everybody has a different metabolism. And of course, you know, it's going to depend on an individual's weight and how much they're exercising. So the numbers we're going to give you are not exactly exact, but you're going to get an idea of how much you might need to get on that treadmill if you're grabbing some right. of it's, the it's wrong Right. It's easy foods. to just kind of grab, like, here's an example. Yeah. A regular size package of M&Ms would take, somebody would need to walk for three miles at about three miles per hour. So, you know, walking for an hour at, I would say, a a medium to brisk pace. So Mm. that's quite a while. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have time? I'm thinking, (laughs) do I have time to eat that bag of M&M's? Because then I'm on the treadmill. (laughs) Or to offset the calories in a bag of microwave popcorn. That used to be my vice before I found Nutritional (laughs) Weight and Wellness. Microwave popcorn. If you had a bag of microwave popcorn, you would need to run for about 30 minutes on the treadmill. We're up to running now. Okay, how about this one, Cassie? Four pieces of licorice. And I looked at a bag of licorice, and Mm -hmm. that is the actual serving size, four pieces. That would require a one and a half mile run. And I just want to ask people who like licorice if you stop at four pieces. Oh my gosh, I used to eat the whole bag when I was staying up late studying for finals in college. I didn't eat four pieces. I think that it's six servings. 
So I think there's like 24. I could be wrong, but I know there's more than four in the bag. Yeah. So, (laughs) wow. I'd have to run a lot back in the day. Hmm. So, yeah, you know, those are just a few examples of how a seemingly innocent little quick treat can add up quickly. But don't get too caught up in the whole numbers game of calories eaten versus calories expended because true weight loss is not achieved by eating fewer calories than are burned. And all of those snack foods that we just mentioned, they're high sugar, they're processed, and those type of high sugar processed foods set people up for insulin resistance. Mm -hmm. Now, when someone becomes insulin resistant, it's even more of a challenge challenge to lose weight. And don't they say, I might have this wrong, but don't they say like 80% of Americans, they guess, are are insulin Mm -hmm. resistant? That is the statistic that we have from our Nutrition for Weight Loss class, 80%. And like Cara just said, it makes it harder. If you're insulin resistant... It's like your body just seems to want to store everything as fat is how I always think of it. It is. It's hard to lose weight. And all those high sugar foods can lead you to insulin resistance down the road. Okay, so we've talked about how those little seemingly innocent snacks can cause a problem. What about some of the food choices that people make pre-workout and post-workout and sometimes even some of the things they're grabbing during exercise? That's another example. It happens a lot. Uh, If you look around your gym, you might see members eating bars, sipping on things like Gatorade. Mm -hmm. So if you eat a Cliff Bar and then go work out for an hour on the treadmill or elliptical machine or what have you, your body is going to work very, very hard to burn off those 44 grams of carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. You may never get to the fat-burning stage because first, all of those carbohydrates have to be burned. Right. Wow, 44 grams of carbs in a Cliff Bar. In a Cliff bar. bar. You know, a better pre-workout snack, or even you could do this post-workout too, is something with a little protein, a little healthy fat, and something that's low in carbs. So instead of that Cliff Bar, how about you grab a hard-boiled egg, a handful of nuts, and a half a cup of fruit. Blueberries would be a great one, and it's easy to eat. Finger food. That's a great balanced snack. Or another one that's good for before or after a workout is a smoothie with whey protein powder. And we actually have a a protein shake recipe on our website. It's weightandwellness.com. That's delicious. It's wonderful. And, you know, eating a balanced snack with protein, fat, and something that's not too high in carbohydrates, that's going to keep blood sugar balanced. When blood sugar is balanced going into a workout... The body can easily access fat stores and actually start burning the fat. And that's just because it's not so busy burning off the high amount of carbohydrates. Exactly. Good explanation there. You know, and don't you think another weight loss, um, something that sabotages your weight loss is the idea that Gatorade or Powerade are good choices to replace your electrolytes? There's another misconception. For an hour workout, the only thing that our body needs is water, and a lot of it, too. Mm -hmm. You know, four additional cups are needed for one hour of exercise, and that's in addition to, you know, the the eight-ounce glasses glasses. that we need. So an extra four cups for one hour of workout or one hour of exercise. And, of course, endurance athletes like distance runners or bikers usually do need to replace electrolytes, um, but we still never recommend high-sugar, high-fructose corn syrup, and artificially sweetened drinks 
like the Gatorade or the Powerade. No, no. So, Don't. Cassie, it is time for us to take a break. Oh, my gosh. And when putting together a weight loss plan, of course, the most important factor is what we're eating. However, hundreds of studies also support taking a supplement that can increase metabolism while at the same time lower triglycerides, blood sugars, and reduce inflammation. So what is the substance that most of us are deficient in? Well, stay <gasps> tuned, everybody. Everybody's on the edge of their seats We're going to share more when we come back. And if you have a question for us today, please call us at 651-641-1071. Dishing Up Nutrition has listeners in San Francisco, Miami, International Falls, and Billings, Montana. Whether you live in the Twin Cities or across the country, nutritional guidance is as close as your phone. Nutritional Weight and Wellness offers phone consultations for people at a distance or too busy for office appointments. Would you like to increase your energy, lower cholesterol, or resolve digestive problems? Here's how phone consultations work. First, complete a health history. Next, discuss your health goals with a nutritionist. Then she creates an eating plan for your biochemistry and lifestyle. You make the time, and Nutritional Weight and Wellness provides the plan and support. Make the call from the privacy of your home or office and get nutrition expertise from the people you trust. For information, call Nutritional Weight and Wellness at 651-699-3438. Outside the Twin Cities, call 888-805-8954, toll free. Or go to weightandwellness.com. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Cassie Wienis, licensed dietitian, and I'm here with Kara Carper, licensed nutritionist. Now, before break, Kara had mentioned a supplement that not only increases metabolism, but has a lot of other health benefits as well. Some of you may have guessed it. The miracle substance is fish oil. Fish oil contains omega-3 fatty acids. It's difficult to get enough omega-3 fatty acids from food alone especially when you consider that we're not supposed to eat fish very often because of the mercury and lead contamination. So if you take 3,000 milligrams or more, but at least 3,000 milligrams of a high-quality fish oil supplement, that's what we would recommend if you're trying to get some help with your weight loss, if you're trying to heal your insulin resistance, if you're trying to get rid of inflammation in your body. 3,000 milligrams is really the lowest starting therapeutic dose. But do make sure it's high quality. This is one where I always get on my mom. I'm like, Mom, you can't just buy any fish oil. You really, she's buying from us right now. I'll just tell (laughs) everybody. But fish oil, I get concerned because you can have mercury and lead contamination and other toxins in that fish oil if you don't really know the company you're buying from. Cassie, we have a few callers, so I'm just going to jump right in. And welcome to the show. Is it Kara or Kara? Sarah. I always ask because my Cause people you... always think that I'm Kara. So, <laughs> um, I'm Kara. Hi, Kara. Do you have a question for us today? Yeah, I just I'm a nurse actually on a cardiac unit at a hospital, and I just switched to the night shift. So my eating is completely thrown off, and I'm having a hard time figuring out how to deal with switching back and forth when I should be eating protein. Just how to feel full and be able to kind of eat things that are quick and on the go when I'm a busy nurse. Wow, great question. We have a lot of nurses that come in and have the same yeah. issue. Yeah, maybe if you just want to hang up, we'll address that. Is that okay? We'll give no some problem. ideas. Sounds good. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for listening. You know, I think when you're a night shift worker of any kind, nurse or not, it's it's just, 
you just have a different look to your day. But the key is when when you wake up or, you know, maybe you're maybe you're sleeping till two in the afternoon, let's just say, right, because you're a night shift worker. When you get up at 2 p.m., you want to eat within an hour of waking. Maybe that looks like a breakfast. Maybe that's eggs and some veggies fried in some some good olive oil. Or maybe you'd rather at that point have a bowl of chili, but whatever. You want to eat within an hour of when you wake up, and then you just count. Every three hours is what sh- when you should be eating. And if you're trying to maintain a healthy weight, and if or maybe if you want to lose some weight, be sure you get animal protein at least five times throughout the day. So I I hope that's helpful. I don't know. Does that make sense, Cara, the way I said that? No, it that? does. That's perfect. I don't. Some nurses that I've worked with... Um, you know, I'll recommend bringing in a smoothie. Yes. That's easy enough. Um, another great snack that, and I, I do understand that with this profession, it's sometimes hard to get any snacks and right. have sometimes, access to a refrigerator. Right. But um, we we recommend like nitrate-free beef jerky or nitrate-free mm-hmm. beef sticks as a good protein and then maybe mm-hmm. a fruit and a handful of nuts. Mm-hmm. None of that needs refrigeration. Mm-hmm. So those, those can be eaten all... on the fly. Those are all great ones. Um, you know, and I love that you brought up the smoothie because now I'm re- remembering one of my nurses that has just a crazy hectic schedule and she often takes a smoothie. I think that should be an everyday thing. So do look mm-hmm. up that smoothie recipe because then, you know, and I don't know how it is at, at your place of work. Could you have it kind of behind the desk and have a straw in it and be sipping on it when you get a chance? Um, another great one, if you can do dairy, is to grab a cheese stick, uh, a handful of grapes and a few almonds or a few olives. And drink lots of water. I know that's really hard for nurses and doctors, but that takes best a real conscious can. effort. Yep. yep. I'm take another caller here. Welcome to the show, Len. Do you have a question for us today? Yes, I do. It's about high fructose corn syrup. Um, it seems so misleading. There's, there's on TV they talk about your body does not know the difference between regular sugar or sugar that's coming naturally through an orange as compared to high fructose corn syrup. Could you explain that? And I can listen off the air, uh, off the phone. Okay, great question. Thank you so much for calling in and listening. Well, you know, high fructose corn syrup, I mean, fructose itself is actually metabolized differently than regular sugar. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it it does not require the same glucose and insulin that Mm -hmm. eating regular sugar does. It has to go through the liver. So it is, it's metabolized very different. Well, and I think the other thing to think about, was it Len? Glenn? Len. Len, I think the other thing to think about, and it is a great question, but the other thing that I that comes to my mind right away is, you know, say that he does have some truth in his statement, and you were kind of disputing it, which I agree with you, Cara, but even if your body did recognize high fructose corn syrup, the same as regular sugar, my mind says, but what nutrition are you getting from something that has high fructose corn syrup in it? What is high fructose corn syrup in? Um, right. You know, it's soda. Exactly. Breakfast cereals, granola bars, um, those processed carbohydrates that we're talking about that provide very little nutrition and actually help create insulin resistance, which makes it hard for you to lose weight versus regular sugar that you would get in an apple or in a sweet potato, you're getting tons of great nutrients, lots of fiber. So I think that's the the real solid, easy to understand reason for avoiding the high fructose corn syrup. And you know the whole advertising thing. We could do just a show on oh, that. Oh my but, lord! I mean, truly, when is the last time that you saw an advertisement for broccoli? Right. 
or something that our body knows how to break down. That is real, that right. God put on this earth for us to eat. I question a lot of the advertising and just, you know, think about their, people are trying to make money. Yeah. So, yeah. Good question, though, Lynn. I'm going to take one more call here. Good morning, Michelle. Do you have a question today? Um, I do. Uh, my question surrounds, um, like, almonds and nuts. Um, I tend to snack on them quite a bit during the day, but I'm wondering how much is too much of a good thing. I know. Nuts. Love that when, question. When people like nuts, it's easy to overdo them. Yep. So I think that is one thing. It is important to kind of measure them out, um, particularly if weight loss or weight yes. management is something, you it's know. part of your plan. So here's just an example. You know, 10 grams of fat is a great amount to go by for nuts and for, for fat in general. Mm-hmm. So that equals 16 almonds. Yep. Or eight walnut halves, yep. or ten pecans. Yep. So count them out. You know, and again, yeah, if you're buying prepackaged ones, I love that car that you gave her the number ten grams of fat, because then you can kind of mm-hmm. figure it out by reading the label as well. But just like you said, sixteen almonds. Count them out. Dar actually, um, in some teacher training we had on Thursday, she said, "Take an example of sixteen almonds," and she had it there, and I was amazed how little, you know. But you just need a little bit of healthy fat. Mm-hmm. Does that help, Michelle? It, it absolutely does. And now I realize that I've been eating way too many almonds. <laughs> it's easy to overdo it on the nuts. We've all been there. Okay, thank you. Thanks so much for calling. Have a great day. Cassie, it's almost time for another break. I don't know how this happens, but I don't know either. I think bef- we do have a couple minutes here, though. So, Well, you know, and if we have a couple minutes, I want to say that another biggie in my mind that um, a common mistake people make when they're trying to lose weight is that they're counting calories all day long, and then, you know, maybe they're tracking their heart rate monitor or their cardio machine for calories burned, and they're trying to do the math, and if you keep doing this, for one, you will drive yourself crazy, and you're likely going to be disappointed in the lack of results. And a recent article, this was in the European Journal of Clinical Nutrition, really supports that the calorie-in-calorie-out theory is a misconception. So the research states that obesity is more complex than lack of activity and overeating. So in other words, we don't get fat just by eating more and moving less. Yeah, you know, and again, I am sure there are some people in this country that are sitting on the couch and eating too much, and, and that's how they gain the weight. But time and again, Cara and I see it in in the clinical setting that people are trying really hard, and they're eating less, and they're moving more, And things aren't happening. So the whole premise behind the calorie counting theory is that if we burn more calories in a day than we eat, we'll lose the weight. But for some people, it is a whole lot more complex. And we're going to talk more about that when we come back. But I do want to mention some recent news that many of you probably heard this last week. The Mayo Clinic and the University of Minnesota are partnering to conquer diabetes within 10 years. The plan is called the Decade of Discovery, and it's aiming to improve patients' health so they can better manage the disease and avoid complications. So we don't know the details of the plan. They haven't been discussed. But I just truly hope that the number one issue addressed is what people are eating. Right. Because we know that diets high in sugar, processed carbs, and trans fats, that's really the deadly combination that's leading many down the path of type 2 diabetes. So please give us a call if you do have questions today, 651-641-1071.
Welcome back. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. I'm Cassie Wienis here with Kara Carper. All month at the gym and still no weight loss is our topic today. And Kara was talking about the decade of discovery plan to conquer diabetes before we went to break. It did make a lot of headline news last week. And, you know, the fact that a third of Minnesotans are either diabetic or pre-diabetic is what prompted this plan. And we really feel it's important to understand that changing eating can be a real challenge. It takes a lot of education to empower people to make the right food choices. It takes a lot of support for people as well to make changes when it comes to food. So hopefully we're going to see a lot of money being put into nutrition counseling and classes to reverse these scary statistics as part of this decade of discovery plan. Let's cross I our fingers. I agree with you. I agree, Cassie. All right. We have several more callers. Great calls today. Welcome to the show, Carolyn. Do you have a question for Dishing Up Nutrition? You know, I do have a question. Thanks so much for the show. I get so much great information. Um, so in the new year, I, I really took a, an approach to be a clean eater, and I would say I'm probably 90% there. But my, as part of that process, I did a food elimination plan that took out dairy, gluten, meat. And as I've thought about reintroducing, you often mention eating meat. Mm-hmm. Is there a way to accomplish your goals and the plans, the, the strategy that you lay out without using a lot of meat? I get my fats from oils, butter, avocado, nuts primarily, mm-hmm. and I get protein and fiber from, well, um, uh, beans right now and quinoa. And why are you afraid to, to introduce the meat back in? You know, I'm absolutely not afraid to do it. I just haven't yet. It, well, it's been only a month, but um, I, I feel not as strong, and I th- I work out almost every day. I'm a pretty aggressive exerciser. I've noticed um, leaving out for sure a lot of the carbs and dairy, it, it's already helped me lose some of the stuff that likes to sit around my middle. Mm-hmm. Um, but bringing back in the meat is, is probably a good choice. I brought in chicken and tuna. Um, I'm a beef lover, and so and I do organic grass-fed. I, I buy direct from a farmer, but um, I guess I'm not afraid of it. I just wonder if the if if really staying heavy on the beans is a good approach moving forward, hmm. balancing well, it a bit more than I did in the past. So, is one of your are you looking to lose weight? Yes. You okay? That I just wanted to ask that question. So uh, you know, I, I don't weigh myself. It's about losing. Um, Losing, losing a bit of mass. I would say I can, I can squeeze a love handle seriously. Yeah. <laughs> well, one thing, you know, at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, we look at the carbohydrate content of legumes. And we actually count those as a carbohydrate because they are much higher in carbohydrates than in protein. Really high. I want to say it's a one to three ratio. Yeah. Um, and the protein is not a complete protein. And so it it acts differently in the body than a complete animal protein. Yeah. And hopefully we're going to, we have so much research to get to today, Cara, but hopefully we're going to share some research here in a bit that that was done with um, some females subjects. So it it pertains Mm -hmm. to you. And they had one group eating higher protein, animal protein, and the positive results of their weight loss was amazing. So I, I hope you add it back in. I love the idea that you'd been doing grass-fed in the past that's packed with omega-3s. And we talked about how omega-3s support a healthy metabolism. And we're going to talk in a bit about carnitine and how carnitine can really help with weight loss. It's a supplement, 
but it's also found in high amounts in red meat, especially. So, you know, the there's just such power behind animal protein when it comes to boosting your metabolism. Thanks a lot. I have no problem adding it back in. I think it's just some of the knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. knowing what, what's the best and the best strategy. And it's great having your insights. Thanks I think a lot. lot of people have that yeah. same question. So we appreciate your call. Great question. Yep. All right, Cassie, I, I want to revisit what we were saying before break. And, yes. you know, just the premise of the calorie counting theory that if we burn more than what we eat, we're going to lose weight. Um, time and again, that's not working for a lot of people. Also, you know, when we exercise more, technically calories are burned. So, you know, mm-hmm. we understand that, but research is showing that this rarely results in weight loss. Right. But what the research does show is that those that eat lower carbohydrate diets lose more weight. And you know what? Then you don't have to count all those calories. You'll save yourself some time. Mm-hmm. And the weight loss can be sped up by adding exercise absolutely to this lower carbohydrate way of eating. So I'm just going to summarize that. It might be information you're hearing for the first time. Cutting back on calories and exercising more rarely results in weight loss. What works for people, what the research shows, is that eating a lower carbohydrate diet helps. And mm-hmm. once someone is eating lower carbohydra- carbohydrates, exercise will have a greater impact on weight loss. Right. So thinking about the, all this, if it isn't just excess calories or if it isn't just a lack of exercise causing, causing the obesity epidemic... You might start wondering, well, what really is at the base of all of these overweight Americans? I believe they say two out of three Americans is overweight and one in every three Americans is actually classified as obese. Mm -hmm. Well, like the Nutrition Journal that you cited said, much of it is from having constantly high insulin levels. And those high insulin levels occur when too many carbohydrates are eaten. You know, that Cliff Bar with yeah. 44 grams, that's one example. Other favorites of that we have our clients, you know, tell us these are their favorite high-carbohydrate foods. Bread, chips, cookies, cereal, pasta, soda, rice, potatoes. I mean, I'm, I'll stop, but I could go on. Oh, right. The American way of eating, right? <laughs> yep. You know who does a great job, Cassie, of explaining that? is Gary Tobbs. He's one of our favorites. Yes. He's a research writer. He's written a couple of powerful books on the science of nutrition. He's been on our show. He wrote Good Calories, Bad Calories. He wrote Why We Get Fat and What to Do About It. Yes. You know, and Gary's books cover two centuries worth of research on nutrition. So if anybody's interested in the research, especially the good calories, bad calories, really um, backs up everything we're saying with sound research. And he concluded... From gathering all this research together, he concluded that some people are more sensitive to carbs than others. Mm -hmm. And the more sensitive a person is, the more likely they are to get fat from even just small amounts of these high-carbohydrate foods. And the reasoning is somebody that's sensitive to carbs, even a small amount of those carbs causes insulin levels to just skyrocket. And insulin, we call it your fat-storing hormone. Yep. Gary also does acknowledge that exercise is good for a variety of reasons, but multiple studies in his work have found that there is no compelling evidence to use exercise as a weight loss tool without the nutrition piece, of course. 
Right. You know, and, and like we mentioned, he's been on Dishing Up Nutrition before. We've interviewed him about these books, and we are so excited that he's going to be back again on our show in late March. Yep, I think the third third or fourth week in March. So, so. yeah, watch watch for that. So we have here. We I'm just giving you the warning. Couple minutes to break here, but um, Already? we have gone over research on eating fewer carbohydrates and how that helps with the weight loss plan. And I just want to explain a little bit in more detail that when we teach our nutrition for weight loss classes, what we recommend is limiting carbohydrates to under 30 grams per meal. And 15 grams or lower for snacks. Right. So let's talk about what that looks like. If you're going to sit down to a half of a cup of cooked pasta. Now, if you're in your kitchen, seriously, open up your cupboard, grab uh, grab that um, half cup measuring cup. If you eat just a little half a cup of cooked pasta, that's 44 grams of carbs. That's too much if you're trying mm-hmm. to lose weight. And a half a cup of cooked, you know, I don't think most people are measuring pasta in the first place. Oh, my gosh. And who would sit down? I used to be the pasta queen. I used to eat tons. I, I couldn't stop at just a half a cup. So, um, yeah, keep that in mind. That's that's too much. Or 15 grams of carbs at a snack, like you said, Cara, that would be half of an apple. Yep. Or a half a cup of fruit. It adds up quickly, but mm-hmm. it's really important to track those carbohydrates. Um, and the best way to make sure you're not getting too many is to focus on eating vegetables, preferably the non-starchy ones, your greens, tomatoes, peppers, asparagus. Um, Yes, those are all carbohydrates, and they're the best kind for weight loss. Yes, eat more. So, Well, we're going to take our last break, and when we come back, we have information on some great upcoming classes next week. Are you someone that suffers from depression or anxiety or concerned about low bone density? Feel like your metabolism could be better? Well, Cassie will give details on classes pertaining to those topics when we come back in a minute. We're back and you're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. We have some wonderful classes going on starting this Monday. We have Balanced Foods for Balanced Moods. That's going to be taught at all three of our offices, St. Paul, Wyzetta, and North Oaks. Three of our four, I should say. So Balanced Foods for Balanced Moods in St. Paul, Wyzetta, and North Oaks on Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Is that right? Yeah. And I, you know, sorry, I didn't give the times for any of these. We just have so many classes, but people can always they go, to, can our go to our website or call yeah. the office. And then Nutritional Solutions for Osteoporosis is in Robbinsdale on sun- Saturday. That's a great class. Again, Nutritional Solutions for Osteoporosis, Robbinsdale on Saturday. Jumpstart Your Metabolism is in Hastings, in Anoka, and in Invergrove Heights. And all of these are two-hour classes. Prices are around $25. Wow, that's a steal. And again, for more information, go to our website, weightandwellness.com. Just click on classes, and you can see locations, times, all of that fun stuff. Um, And to sign up or to get more information, you can also call our office at 651-699-3438. All right, lots of callers. I want to thank everyone for holding. And Jody, we're going to take your call. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. Hi, good morning. It's an excellent, excellent program this morning. I've been listening for years, and this is just a fabulous one. Thank you, Jody. You're welcome. And I have a question about sugar. Um, 
and it's been great to know how many grams of fat and carbs exactly. That's wonderful. So then my question is, how many grams of sugar should we have uh, per meal? I mean, what's the limit when we turn our box of cereal over, not that I have that, or just whatever we're eating? What's the limit, and then maybe for the day, because we're counting, you know, carbs dividing four or multiplying by four, or dividing by four into the carbs, so we know how many sugars are that. But then you have the sugar also to add into there. So I want to know that. And then the second one was, what are the uh, names that sugar are under in packages? So we can kind of see that, oh, there's sugar in that salad dressing. And I had heard um, to be careful of the melodextrin in stevia, because I do use stevia as a sweetener, as a natural sweetener. But if it's got melodextrin in it, it mitigates its benefits. So I just want your opinion on that. I'll hang up, and you can let us know the different okay. names of sugar to be watching for and how many grams. Wow. Jody is an avid listener because she's getting in-depth there. <laughs> um, so great questions, though. Sugar, how much? Don't even pay attention to sugar on a box. I always tell my class members, if I'm teaching a class, you know, and I'm holding up a box and talking about how to read a label, don't even go there. I do not pay attention to sugars. I go to total carbs, and Jody mentioned it. You take total carbs, you divide by four, and that's the number of teaspoons of sugar that food turns into. So it can give you a great visual for how very much sugar some of these processed carbs can turn into. But the reason why we don't look at sugars is because there's no standard behind reporting sugars. So one company might make, let's say, a, a box of crackers and report any white sugar added and any honey, let's say. But the next company maybe is just counting the white sugar and that's it. And they're not counting for the honey or the agave or those types of things. So again, there's no standard. So you don't know what that number is encompassing. Carbohydrates captures it all. Carbohydrates turn into sugar in the body. Yes. And so carbs will capture all the sugar and they'll capture all the white flour. So that's all you want to look at. And if you know carbs, and we told you, Jody, to look for 30 grams or less of carbs per meal, 15 grams of carbs or less at a snack, that's all you need to know because, again, that's capturing that sugar piece. So don't get too hung up um, on too many things. And then names of sugar. You know, I could sit here and list off a ton. Yeah. I, again, I think you're getting maybe a little too in-depth, and but I love your passion for nutrition. But if you think that the majority of the time I want to be choosing real foods, so theoretically things you could grow in your garden or pick from a tree, then you don't have to spend so much time reading labels and looking for hidden sugars. And again, the bigger concern is to stay within that 30 gram or less carbs at a meal and 15 grams of carbs or less at a snack. And in that way, you'll limit your sugars too. And then the maltodextrin piece, you know, I don't sugar, know. Sugar, alcohol. No, maltodextrin no? Oh, is sorry. corn. That's okay. You have mommy brain. <laughs> no, and I happen, the maltodextrin, because my kids have celiac and sometimes they start to warn you about that. But in America, it's maltodextrin almost always comes from corn. And we do consume too much corn in this country. So it is a bit of a sweetener. So that's kind of where your mind is going, I've never seen Cara. that in stevia. But, you know, I think it's a new thing. I, I It seems like I did notice that recently now that did she said it. Or maybe it's the Truvia. I don't know. I wouldn't get so concerned. It's such a small amount. It's an additive that I wish was not in things, but I don't think it's it's harmful to you if there's a little bit in your stevia. I use stevia. You know, I think it's it's okay. 
Those are good questions, Jody. We appreciate oh, you listening. Questions. And I know we do have a couple more callers. We're going to talk for a minute and see if we can get to you. Um, I apologize. We just have so many calls today. But I, I want to get across something about diet plans that are heavily marketed because most of those are promoting low calorie and low fat. Yes. You know, and the truth of the matter is we actually need to eat fat in order to lose weight. I taught a class not too long ago and I said, you have to eat fat to get skinny. And I got some pushback. That's they didn't want a new me saying skinny, for most but people. it is, but it's the truth. And I, and I often tell my story of how when I came to Nutritional Weight and Wellness, I had been a typical registered dietitian for nine, 10 years at that point. So I was used to counting calories. I could look at a plate and tell you how many calories were there in a matter of seconds of course, I wanted to eat the nutritional weight and wellness way, which has plenty of healthy fats. But in my mind, I thought, well, I'm going to keep counting my calories. So I changed my way of eating, started eating protein, carb, and healthy fats, quit my low-fat, high-carb eating, but kept the same amount of calories, and I started dropping weight like that. And I didn't want to. I didn't need to, let alone I had just found out I was pregnant, so I should have been gaining weight. But that was a really big eye-opener for me because as a dietitian, I had been taught. It's all about mm-hmm. calories at the end of the day. But that was a big eye-opener that, no, it's not. It's about what foods you're choosing, choosing and what combinations you're choosing them in. And like you said, we have to eat fat to lose weight. It has mm-hmm. to be a part of a weight loss plan. It's because... Fat is what keeps our blood sugar the most stable. It helps us to stave off those cravings that are really bringing people to the vending machines and through the drive throughs Right. Um, you know, like we said earlier, we're not talking about unlimited fat. It's about 10 grams per meal and 10 grams per snack. And definitely avoid trans fats because those actually will contribute to more insulin resistance and inhibit weight loss. So... Um, let's quickly talk about protein though, Cassie. Um, we've had that great study that you had mentioned. Um, do you want to talk about that study, the food science and human nutrition? I do. I'm just going to try to, um, actually reverberate or say it from the top of my head here without looking at all my notes, but there was a study conducted, um, reported by the food science and human nutrition department at university of Illinois. What they did was take two different groups of females, put them both on the same amount of calories, but the one group over here was following basically the food guide pyramid, which we know is higher carbs, little bit of protein, and the other group was eating a little bit higher protein, little less carbs, and neither group was exercising, and at the end of just 10 weeks, the group eating a little higher protein, little less carbs significantly increased their lean-to-fat ratio. Not to mention they lost weight, but they increased their muscle mass, which means they revved up their metabolism. Mm -hmm. And what I think is even just as exciting about this study is that the group of women eating a little higher protein, little less carbs, significantly reduced their triglyceride levels. And triglycerides, if they're high, are an independent risk factor for heart disease. So they lost weight, their cholesterol numbers improved, Mm -hmm. and the amount of protein used in the study was 125 grams per day. That's equivalent to about 17 ounces. So you're looking at four ounces per meal and two ounces per snack if you're eating three meals and two to three snacks. And I do want to say here that um, I really apologize. There's a couple of callers we didn't get to, and we're running out of time. Please call our office if, and try to get your question answered, 651-699-3438. And we are so flattered that there's so many callers. This is a good day. But, yes, call the office to get those questions answered. 
So everyone, just wrapping up our show, you know, the calorie in, calorie out theory, it's prevalent, it's it's in the media. Um, you know, our main purpose of giving you this information today is just to tell you that there's more to it than that. Right. And the key to weight loss is protein, healthy fat, and vegetable carbohydrates. And eat every three hours. Keep, Keep that, that blood, blood sugar balance. <laughs> oh, you're going to say Jinx. the same thing. Yes. <laughs> Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks so much for listening. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.